preparing us and taking us to the presence of the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Um, last Sunday, we started uh, talking about this reformation, reformation uh, in the New Covenant Church. And I will not go through all of that today again, but I do want to put lay a, a foundation where I in, ended last week. And uh, then we'll go on from there. Is that all right? All right. You can uh, go and find that online if you didn't get uh, to be a part of that. Or you can go to our church app and it is on there as well. But we left off here in Romans. It was one of the last scriptures we read in Romans where Paul is telling them in the church of Rome that they cannot... Um, was not going to be able to bring the old covenant and the new covenant and combine them, but they had to leave the old and receive the new. He said, You're, you can't go, there's, this is the end of the age of Judaism, right? In Romans chapter 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, and do not be conformed to this world. The world, word world there in the um, uh, Greek is going to be translated age. So be not conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the perfect will of God? There's a submissive will or what he allows, but then there is the perfect will. And so he says that tells them here in the Roman church, he said that there is, don't be conformed to this uh, age of Judaism, but be transformed. Let there be a metamorphosis take place in the renewing of your mind, how you think about a thing. And he said, and you will know the perfect will of God. And it goes on in verse 3 and says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak, through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walked not after the flesh but after the spirit. Amen. And so we said last week that if you are preaching to the old uh, man, that being Adam, you're going to have to preach behavioral modification all the time, trying to keep people right, trying to keep people from doing this, that, and the other. And all of that is sin management, that, and that is uh, sin management programs that are under the old covenant, trying to make people not sin. But here's the problem with that. Uh, is that no matter how many laws you had, when Jesus came, they had how many laws? They just kept adding to the commandments, to the laws, until they just kept adding, adding, adding to the laws. 
and when Jesus came, by the time Jesus got here, but it never, it never fixed the problem, right? How many know if, if you've got, uh, if you've got it in your heart to do something, it doesn't matter uh, how many bars you put up, how many laws you make, you're going to find some way to do what's in your heart. Amen. I was thinking about it this week. I mean, you know, how many people uh, do you know that, that have um, gone to prison? And, and I'll just use this uh, for a, a, an example. They went to prison for uh, drugs. They went to prison for, um, you know, some kind of uh, sexual perversion act. And they was in there for, let's say, five years. And they didn't have any drugs. They didn't have any, all, all this perversion and stuff. And after five years, they serve their sentence. They get out. And the first thing they go back to is drugs, is the perversion. How is that? Wouldn't you think that somebody being clean for five years would cure them of this? No, because it's, it, all you did is put them in a prison, but you never dealt with the issue of the heart. Amen. And so it is spiritually, we can try to put these walls up, we can try to put these um, barriers up, but instead of putting all of these prison cells up, what we need to do is deal with the heart issue that we have. The old covenant was given to modify behavior in the old creation. It is a message of conformity. He said, be not conformed. The new covenant is given to us for the new man to mature us and to develop us into what God desires for us to be. What does he desire us to be? He desires us to be sons and daughters that have a new identity of who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't think that we could have sang a, a more appropriate song to set the stage for, for um, this today than the last song we sang because there is a war, there's a struggle within, especially uh, in, in folks that was raised up in the church, right? If you was raised up in the church, and, and I don't know where it got shifted at, but whenever I read old, old theologians, old, old preachers, they are talking about this transformation from law to grace. But somewhere along the way, we, uh, I say we, we, we feel like that we had to control people somehow. So it brought them back into the law, thinking that you, could, that you couldn't keep them under grace. I don't know. I'm just thinking. But the reality of it is, is we cannot mix the law with grace. We are no longer in the, the age of Judaism. We are now in the age of grace. Amen. And so there is a new covenant that has brought transformation. And it's not one of conforming, but it is one of transforming. The Apostle Paul said in, here in verse 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by how? The renewing of your mind. you got to start thinking the way Jesus said to think. And he didn't say you were a wretched worm. Right? He didn't say you was an old sinner. You're either a sinner or you're saved. Amen? Amen? Being, you know, 
they'd, some people, and I, I think I know what they're talking about, but they'd say, they'd say uh, he's, a, he's a good Christian. Or she's a good Christian, right? And, uh, you know, either you are or you're not. You can't be a little bit pregnant. You either are or you're not, right? You have to make a choice and a decision. And Paul says under this old covenant that you are being conformed. If you are in the new covenant, you're being transformed. If you're being conformed, then you're trying to change it on the external from the outside in, right? And you're trying to take superimposed rules and sets of regulations and put it on the external and believing that changing the external is going to somehow change the internal. But it never works that way. But then on the other side, he said, don't be conformed, but be transformed. The word transformed is metamorphose, metamorphous, right? And it is something that takes place on the inside. It's like the, it's like the little worm that turns into a butterfly, right? He goes into the cocoon, a worm. But there's a metamorphosis that comes, takes place and he comes out a beautiful butterfly. Amen. The old man passes away and behold all things become new because we are now new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so we have, we've done away with the old and we put on the new. And you can't live in the old and the new at the same time. Now, you know, it's taken me some time to preach on this uh, and, and do at least a series on it. I've preached grace whenever people didn't know I was preaching grace. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, is whenever you've been raised up in the church, you have to, and, and to be honest with you, I've uh, struggled with this and wrestled with it uh, to get to an understanding because I don't want to just believe something because it's popular. I want to know the truth about it. Amen. And whenever you've been raised up, not that, not that um, my parents or even the church that we grew up in was, was so religious or traditional, but there is a, a part of it that you grow up in that, that makes it to believe that, that all of these things that are the law that you have to keep. But you can't just keep a little bit of it. You've got to keep the whole. And all of us are in trouble. Amen? If we have to keep the law... All of us are in trouble. Moses couldn't even make it into the promised land. And he's the one that wrote it. Amen? He couldn't make it in on it. And so if he couldn't make it in on it, how are we going to make it in? But thank God for grace. Thank God for a better covenant that has come. Amen? And that change that takes place is not from heartache to heartache or misery to misery. Oh my God, this is a hard way. The Bible said the way of a transgressor is hard. Amen? But transforming and changing is not a hard thing. Jesus has already paid the price. And now we got to begin to think like he wants us to think. Renewing our mind does not mean learning or to memorize scripture. It means to constantly renew your mind with a new identity of who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not a worm. You're the righteousness of God. Amen. Renew your new life where God himself takes up on up up takes abode in your heart where the he he begin you begin to understand that you are the righteousness of God and God lives on the inside of you make no mistake about it you're not being conformed you're being transformed right I mean, are you the old creation or are you the new creation? Are you married to Adam or are you married to Christ? You can't be married to both of them. Right? The powerful truth is, that, is this, that Jesus did not come just to die for you. He came to die as you. And, I, and later on in this, in, in this series, I'm going to show you that he... Jesus took and, and dealt with all of the punishment that you and I should have got. Jesus took it. Jesus took it. Jesus came to give you, you uh, the old death to the old creation so that you could live in the new creation, in the new nature of God. Amen? And you could have a resurrected life. And he brought a new life to you. He brought a new life to me. And now what has happened is, is that we have accepted him as Savior and Lord of our lives. And then we go to and follow him in water baptism, right? Huh? And we follow him into water baptism. And as we follow him into water baptism, you are buried in Christ. And when you came out of the water, you came out, as it were, a spiritual exodus. That you left the old man, the old Adam, and you chose to walk with Jesus. You chose to marry Christ. Amen. And now you, are, you have separated yourself from the old Adam and you have said, I'm going to marry myself unto Christ. And it is an exodus from the old. And now I step over into the new. Amen. You became dead to the law and the body, and you became the body of Christ. Amen. We talked about this on Wednesday night, and, and Michaela taught and did such a, a great job, and, and all of them have been doing a great job. But the reality of it is, is we are the body of Christ. And none of us can do anything individually that does not affect us corporately. If I am a part of the body, it doesn't matter what part of the body I am, what that I do affects the whole. Amen? I mean, you know, how many think about your little toe? You don't think about your little toe until it starts hurting. But your little toe can never do just something on its own without the rest of the body knowing about it. Amen? Hit it on a coffee table at night. And your whole body knows it. Right? 
You don't have to be the head. It don't have to be, it don't have to be the arms or the legs, just your little toe. And it'll affect the whole body. And so it is that we become the body of Christ. And so we have to be a reflection of Christ in the earth. Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, he said, Therefore, you should be married to another. Who's he talking about? You should be not married to Adam any longer, but you should be married to another. And who is it? Even him who was raised from the dead. Who was raised from the dead? Jesus. That you should bring forth fruit unto God. Amen. So we were born in the spirit and the water. And it was our identification with him in his death, in his burial, but also his resurrection. And so it was our exodus out of Egypt, out of the old creation, into the new creation. Amen. And so then we looked at Leviticus because this is what the law and the law disqualifies us from um, being able to serve God. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 16. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, uh, speak to Aaron saying, no man of the descendants of uh, in succeeding generations who has any defect may approach to be offer the bread of, to his God. For any man who has a defect shall not approach a man blind or lame who has marred face or any limb too long, a man who has a broken foot or a broken hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man who has defect in his eyes uh, or a, a scab or a eunuch. Amen. Earlier in this chapter, it tells you that if you uh, have a bald head, you're disqualified. If you, if you put a scar on yourself, you're disqualified. Right? Now this is where a lot of people go about and want to preach on tattoos. But I put a scar on myself when I let them do surgery on my arm the other day. I got a big scar, so I'm disqualified under the law. Huh? And so, if I'm blind, if I'm lame, if I've got a marred face, if one leg's longer than the other, guess what? You out. Got a broken foot. Broken hand, disqualified. Hunchback, you little, right? You out. You got an eye defect, everybody wearing glasses, you out. Y'all quiet. But if we're going to keep part of the law, you've got to keep all of the law. Right? And so 
when I look when I look at this, I see all that it disqualifies, and I, I think I said this last week. But every bit of this, none of this has to deal with the heart. Every bit of it has to do with external issues. And you can never fix anything dealing with external. You've got to deal with the heart issue. Because you see, somebody can run around, and, and I know that this isn't a thing so much, but people that's been in the church can identify uh, whenever Renee and I first started preaching and evangelizing, and we, I preached somewhere uh, every week, uh, and we, we were married, and uh, I was, when I stayed evangelist, I had to preach 280 services in uh, state, and then I would preach other services out of state. And uh, we were going to some of the southern states. Uh, we had about a month, I think, month, two months lined up to go to some southern states. And uh, then about, it was about a few weeks before we was to go, and, and they started calling me. And they said, um, one of them said, um, well, I just need to ask you some questions. I said, all right, Pastor. And uh, he said, has uh, your wife ever cut her hair? I said, yep. And uh, he said, oh, my, he said, I don't know. He said, I won't be able to use you. He said, uh, my organ has come in here, been an organ player for 30-some years. And she come in here the other day and cut her hair and said I had to put her out. I said, yeah, I don't think it'll work. I guess he found, called his buddy, I don't know, he, another one called me, said, uh, does your wife wear earrings? I said, yeah, big ones. <laughs> he said, oh, we don't wear that jewelry. He said, you know, maybe a little, little wedding band of, uh, that don't have a lot of bling or nothing. He said, but, but no, no big. No, no. I said, yeah, it probably won't work. Yeah, probably need to get somebody else. But as long as you had long hair, it didn't matter how long your tongue was. As long as you met the external qualifications, it didn't matter what a person had in their heart. As long as you was just, it, it was driven by the external, what you could see on the outward, it was under the law. But Jesus came with a better covenant and he said, I understand that you can't deal with these external things and try to put people in prisons and try to put, you can do all that you want to do and you'll never make it big enough or strong enough to pin a person in, but deal with their heart. You know, and that's, and that's the thing about the law and grace. I hear people talk about, oh, sloppy grace. I love it. I like to slop around in it the grace I can get glory to God amen and they say oh they just you know and I understand there's some people that believe in eternal security but but it, it isn't eternal security I don't believe in eternal security no more than I believe in internal unsecurity did you hear me but it ain't about my works it's not about what I can do it's not about how hard I can work you see, the law always wants you to work harder and you, you always get messed up. Have I ever told you about Leah and Rachel? 
I don't know, y'all ain't nodding or nothing, so. You know, here's this man, he's working all these years, what, seven years, looking to get Rachel, right? And then he gets, he works seven years hard as he can, does all that he can do, and then here comes his wedding day, and he wakes up the next morning, and he's looking for the beauty queen, and he's got this woman with a mad cow look in her eyes. Right? That's the picture of the law. That's the picture of works. You can't work enough and still, when, because when you work the most hard as you can, the long as you can, the strong as you can, it's going to always bring you to a place of disappointment. It's never going to accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. It's never going to do what you think it's going to do. But you always come up empty. But then he says, look, he says, you, you've, Laban, you've, you've done me wrong right here, right? And you've given me this ugly woman. And I was wanting a beauty queen. And he says, look, he said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You, you can have Rachel, right? And you can have her and you can work for me for another seven years. And so in other words, what he did, he worked for seven years to try to get something. And now he's got an ugly woman with a mad cow look in her eye. Right? I don't know what that means. But it ain't pretty. But then that... that he worked for it, and then he, when he thought he was getting it, he didn't get what he thought he was getting, right? Y'all are walking with me, huh? But then he comes to Rachel, and he says, okay, I'm going to give you Rachel, and now you can work another seven years. What's the difference? He's working for something, but now he's working because he's got something. And whenever you get Rachel, whenever you get this new life, whenever you get Christ, you don't need somebody to put barriers up. You don't need all of these things in your life to try to stop you from doing all of this, this, the sinful things. You don't want to do it anymore because you have Christ. Amen. It's no longer a prison, it's guardrails. Man, anything, and you say, well, you just live however you want to. No, don't be dumb. That ain't what we're talking about. You have guardrails. Anything that doesn't have boundaries has, is a swamp. Amen? But fresh water has boundaries, and we understand those. But it, and they say, well, how are you going to know if you're sinning or not? If you don't have the law, well, it's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the old covenant, we have the law, but in the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin and of righteousness. Amen. So whenever I'm having, it isn't just about the do's and not do's and all that I shouldn't do, but whenever I have a thought that's not right, Holy Spirit convicts me. Whenever I think about doing a thing, Holy Spirit convicts me. Have you ever, have you, and y'all probably have never done this, but have you ever said something and the Holy Spirit convicts you and you start looking around? 
And you say, uh-uh, I, I shouldn't have said that right there. Huh? I should have just kept my mouth shut right there. Amen? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The law can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. It's greater and it's stronger than the law. Amen? So it's not about living however you want to. It's about having a heart renewed to the likeness of Christ. Because under the law, the Bible says that a man should not lay with another uh, a woman that's not his wife. Right? Right? Committing adultery. Thou should not commit adultery. But the New Testament, New Covenant, tells us if a man looks upon a woman, it's stronger. Amen? With that lust in his heart. In other words, it's not about what you've done on the outside. It's what you've done on the inside and deal with the inside. Deal with the issue of the heart. Amen? All right. So we looked at that. And then we went to Luke chapter 14. And there is a, this parable that Jesus uses about the wedding. Right? And there at the wedding... Go ahead and give that to me. Jesus comes and tells them, he said, in this parable, I want you to go out and, and invite the uh, people to come in. It's Luke chapter 14. He said, I want you to invite the people to come in. And he said to everyone that went out, he said, I, uh, you know, I've, I've taken my wife, right? And I can't come. Another one said, I've, I've bought a yoke of oxen and I, I can't, can't come. I need to go test them. Who buys a car without trying it out? Right? And then, well, I've, I've bought some land and I need to go look at it. Who does that? Right? Just a little side note. I've got an extra minute or two here. <laughs> side note, I may have told you whenever we was in Honduras... A few years ago, and we built, bought uh, the property to um, put the uh, halfway house on, and uh, the center there, uh, the, the people that were, were busy, and I was supposed to go meet the guy, and if you've ever been on mission trips, you understand they're never on time, and uh, they were running late, and so I got Jordan, and he had had a couple Spanish classes, and I took him, and uh, he did the interpreting for me, and we bought this piece of property. Whenever we got back to the place, all I heard, understood was, is apples, something about apples. I said, dear God, I've done bought an apple orchard somewhere. I don't know what in the world. But found, come to find out, that's how they measure over there is in apples. Just so you know. But we got the right place. <laughs> we got the property we were wanting. Uh, but... He said, who, who goes and buys a piece of property without looking at it first? All these excuses. You know? I think I told you the best one I ever heard about uh, not coming to church is they's out of peanut butter. I don't know what that has to do with coming to church. but 
So these were, they were out there. They, they, the one says, I've got a wife, I've got an oxen, and I've got land. And so the, 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 the man begins to get angry, and he says, go out and get all. The blind, the halt, the lame, right? And he said, bring them in. Bring in the poor. Bring in the hungry. Bring in the destitute. Bring them all in so that my, my, my wedding will be full. And so whenever we left off here last week, I told you that everything that disqualified you under the law, Jesus healed in the New Testament. Amen? Everything under the old covenant that disqualified you, Jesus healed in the New Testament. And I want to go there today uh, real quickly. I want to show you a couple of these. First of all, let's deal with the lame and the broken foot. In John chapter 1, verse 5. And after the feast of the Jews, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there in Jerusalem is a sheep gate of a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For the angel went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And now a certain man who had been uh, had an infirmity for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there in this condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool and when the water is stirred up and while I'm coming, another steps down before me and Jesus said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked and that was the Sabbath day. The Jews therefore said to him who was uh, cured, it is, uh, is it the Sabbath? Is, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, how he who made me uh, well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, who is the man who said, take up your bed and walk? But the one who had, uh, was healed did not know who he was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well, so uh, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and, and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Amen? It was Jesus who had made him well. Now, He's laying here for 38 years. Jesus comes and asks him, do you want to be made well? How many know the answer is yes? The answer is yes. But 38 years is a long time to be dealing with an issue. 38 years of dealing with a sickness or an infirmity is long enough for it to be imposed upon your mind that that's the way it's going to be. Am I right about it? If you have something for 38 years, you, you begin to just rationalize that this is the way it's going to be. Right? But Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? 
Jesus didn't ask all of these other questions. He just asked him, simply asked him. He did, Jesus didn't ask him, how come you've been here this long? He didn't ask him, who let you down? He didn't ask him all of these other questions. He just said, do you want to be whole? Whenever it, you have done something for 38 years, right or wrong, you no longer question it. Are you with me? You no longer question it. It just becomes normal habit. Just do it because you've been doing it for 38 years. They, they've laid this man at the pool for 38 years and he's laid there for 38 years. This is what he does every day. This is what his life is. But now Jesus comes and pushes on the religious sector of the day pushes on, on, on the button of, that challenges what he's been doing for 38 years and says to him, do you want to be made whole? Right? And he says, I don't have nobody to put me in. We trust a lot in humanism today. If we want to believe it or not, if we want to agree to it or not, we, we put a lot of trust in men. We put a lot of trust in the abilities of men. And, uh, and we could go through science. You know how all this mess about trust science. You know, trust science, trust science. Well, thank God for science. But before there was science, there was God. Then met, trust the medical field, trust the medical field. Well, thank God for the medical field. But there's one higher than the medical field. Amen. And then we want to, you know, trust all of these things. And we, and we could see this. I could, if I had time today, I could take you back through generation after generation who is built upon science, who is built upon the medical field, who is built upon the money and all, and, and all of these things. But all of those things fail. And so for 38 years, here he is doing this thing. And then Jesus comes and says, take up your bed and walk. Take up your bed and walk. Be healed. Right? Why did he tell him to take his bed? He took his bed because, told him to take his bed because he knew that if he left his bed there, he'd be, be challenged to go back to his bed. Go back to the place of comfort. Go back to the place of familiarity. How many times have we risen up in Christ, in the Spirit, and we have decided that we're going to go forward, we're going to move, we're going to do something different, and pressure and trouble comes and we're tempted to go back to what we are comfortable with. Go back to the norm. Go back to laying at the bed. Go back to laying at the water. He said uh, all of these things, and I could preach on this, you know, a whole sermon on all of this, but I just want to show you Jesus came to that one that had a crippled foot who was lame, and he said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Amen? Sometimes you've just got to break out of normal and pick up your bed and start walking. Amen? Just pick up your bed and start walking. But the moment that he did this, the religious people started pouncing on him. Why? Because he broke the law. 
the very system of the law that excluded him, grace came and healed him of it. And he's healed. Now it's interesting to me as I've, I've read on this that, that it's interesting to me that everyone, well not everyone, but most of these that Jesus heals uh, that, that is reflecting to uh, Leviticus chapter 21, most of these healings take place on the Sabbath day. Which the Sabbath day you're not supposed to heal nobody. Right? You may think you have things in your life that have crippled you spiritually, that you feel has disqualified you. But I promise you today, there's nothing in your life that Jesus cannot heal. Jesus cannot heal. You say, well, you, 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 we've got to stop obsessing over blemishes. Amen. Whenever we look in the mirror, we are not looking for what's good. We're looking for what's bad. What's wrong? We're looking for blemishes. Is my hair right? Takes some of us longer than others to figure that out. Do I have any blemishes on my face? You know? Some people, they need a, they need a, a big mirror. They need one of them, a full-size mirror to look at their self before they go out. Because they look like, you know, they just crawled out of bed. But is it not true that we look for the negative? We're not ever looking in the mirror and saying, oh, what's right with me? We're looking in the mirror saying, what's wrong with me? You got to stop looking at the things that are exclude you from the kingdom of God and understand Jesus paid a price to include you in the kingdom of God. Stop looking in the mirror at yourself at the old, outdated system that only reflects the outward and the external and start looking at yourself through the lenses of God's grace in your life. Amen. And not look on the outward reflection, but look on the heart. And when we look on the heart, what did, what did the Bible say? God, the man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on what? The heart. Why is that? Because we get all caught up on the outside, but God said, if I can get the heart, I can make the outside beautiful. Amen. He healed the crippled foot. In John chapter 9, verse, or, and starting in verse number 1, Jesus comes to a man and, that is blind. He says, now as Jesus passed by, he uh, saw a man who was blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, so, I'm going to just stop right there a minute. A lot of times in life, we, whenever you're under a religious system, they think because things happen in your life, you've got sin. You've sinned. Right? 
Oh, things didn't work out. You've sinned. You ain't worked hard enough. You ain't done this. You ain't done that. And that's the reason why we, you ain't got victory. And you don't have this. And that's the reason that's happened in your life. You sin, 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 sin. You ain't right. All right. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day and the night is coming when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am in the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay of saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Amen. He came back seeing. I may want some of this late in, a, in a, just a moment. but They start out, whose fault was it? It's always got to be somebody's fault. Who sinned? His mother? His father? Or did he sin? Now let, I said, what? You ever read that? And just said, what? How can a fetus already start sinning? But that's what the law will do to you. It'll jack you up until you get so tied down with it's got to be sin, it's got to be wrong, it's got to be all. How, how can a fetus sin? People still do this today. Bad things happen, things go wrong. Things don't work out. Oh, you're just not living close to the cross. You've sinned. You're not living right. God's judgment's coming on you. God's getting you. Look, if God wanted you, he'd have got you. Amen. I said if God wanted you, he'd have got you. He ain't out to get you. He's out to love you. I said he's out to love you. And the judgment he carried to the cross. It happened at the cross of Calvary. I told you I was going to do it in a little later series. But I'll just give you a little nudge this morning. On that cross he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised. For my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace. He paid for it. And by his stripes. He carried it all to the cross. All the judgment. The condemnation. Everything that was, was, was meant for me. He carried it to the cross. So that by his grace and his love. I could be free today. To know his love. Know his goodness. And the reality of it is this. There is therefore now, say now, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because I'm not walking after the flesh, looking at the external, but I'm looking at the heart. 
and my heart is being renewed. It is being transformed. It is metamorphosing into the likeness and the image of Christ. Amen. Newsflash. Sometimes in life, really bad things happen, and it has nothing to do with God getting back at you. Jesus wasn't a troublemaker, but trouble did find him because he was always challenging the status quo. Most of these healings, as I said, happened on the Sabbath day. Jesus wasn't anti-law, he wasn't anti-Moses, but he did come to fulfill the law. And if what we're teaching puts yokes around people's necks and puts people into bondage, then we're preaching the wrong gospel. Because the gospel doesn't, don't, don't deliver you from one bondage to put you into another bondage. It, the gospel is good news. And the good news is whom the sun sets free is free indeed no more chains no slavery the truth is triumph in victory whom the son has set free is free indeed amen and at that cross jesus became our sabbath our rest it's no longer about labor toil and sweat Right? That's what Adam did. That's what happened under the law. You got to work harder. You got to do this. You got to do that. You just ain't doing it hard enough. You ain't doing it long enough. You ain't doing, you ain't doing, you ain't doing. It's not about me doing. It's about me being. Who, what am I being? I am being the reflection of Christ. I am being a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so now it isn't just a, a, a day of rest, but it is a life of rest where I rest in the finished work of Calvary. Huh? He said it is finished. He paid the price. The debt's been paid. The, the judgment has been canceled. It has been put upon him. And now I get to live in victory. I get to live in victory. I get to live in peace. I get to live in rest. This man's eyes was open. Right? And I don't know how, how you know, desirable you would be, how... You know, if you have an infirmity or whatever of, how, you know, how you really want to be healed or not. But, but this man had to really be he, want to be healed because, you know, you hear Jesus getting him some saliva in his mouth. <sighs> this man can't see. He hears him spit. And the next thing he knows is he's rubbing something on his eyes. Now, you can imagine what's going on. Right? But how many know he really didn't care whenever he opened those eyelids and he, for the first time he could see? First time, David, he, he saw color. 
He saw people. He could look and relate people to voices that he had heard all his life, but he couldn't see them. And he didn't care about how it happened. He's just glad it did. And I just have to believe that once his eyes were open, he did not ever want to go back to being blind again. And I want to tell you today, once you see grace, you can never go back to the law. Once you taste the freedom and the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God, you can never go back to the guilt and the condemnation and the slavery that the law brings. The parents are afraid of getting kicked out of church. They come to him and they, they, him and they say, who, who, who healed the boy? I said, we don't know. <laughs> we didn't have nothing to do with it. Right? Put it on the boy. <laughs> Go ask him. He's of age. Talk to him. Because they knew he had, that the law had been broken. They were in the synagogue. He's there on the Sabbath day. He's healed on the Sabbath day. And he, he goes, they goes to the boy and he says, I don't know who's done it. All I can tell you is I was in blindness, but now I can see. And now when God opens our eyes to the revelation that will bring a reformation in this generation. Amen. And if I'm right about it in my spirit, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll revolutionize Christendom in America. Because too many people, too many people have been raised up under a harsh law that could not be kept. But when they realize the grace and the mercy of Jesus and the new covenant, you would have to be out of your mind not to want to know this goodness and this grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And once your eyes have been opened to it, then it becomes your responsibility to share it. Amen. It changes everything. Because once you get this in your heart, you get this revelation in your spirit, it changes your life and gives you power to be able to, to speak to the broken and bring healing to their life. It'll cause the blind eyes around you to be opened. And I want to do that, don't you? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. As we teach your word to the best of our ability today, I thank you for the revelation of reformation that will change our lives. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray today, God, that, that we understand that it's not about living however we want to, but it's Christ that lives in us, the hope of glory that comes to change our life. And I pray, Father, as we come to love you, that it'll change us from the inside out, that our hearts will be transformed in such a way that, that there'll be a renewing in our minds, that we will think like you think, 
will have the heart that you have and we will extend that love and that grace to others that men will see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And God, we give you thanks and praise for this today. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a little sing a little course here you need prayer this morning if you need a touch of God if you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior or you haven't accepted that relationship with him or maybe you've drawn cold and indifferent in it today's the day to renew that covenant amen that grace that he has it will be extended towards you if you've been blinded situations in your life let the peace of God just wash over you today all right amen Go ahead. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated. Miracles start 
thank him today for that freedom that we have in him today thank you for a better covenant thank you for a new and a better covenant father that you have sent to your son Jesus that God we're no longer under condemnation but we're under transformation God that you're transforming us from glory to glory you're transforming us God that we become the likeness and the image of your sons and your daughters in the earth we ask you today, God, that you would bless each and every one today. And they're uprising, they're downsetting, they're coming in and they're going out. And God, as we sing this song today, I pray, God, that we come to an understanding that you are our victory. That we rest from our labor and we come into our reward. We come into the rest of the finished work of Calvary and what you have done for us. And God, let us have that revelation that will bring about a transformation, not only in our lives, but in the body of Christ today. And we give you praise and give you thanks for it today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for watching this morning. We look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. All right. God bless you.